0: This is Comics
1: Catch-Up. I want you to hold me. Where we read
0: comics suggested by you, the listeners of War Rocket Ajax,
1: that we... Have now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me Remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever. Actually, writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which I is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. Mm-hmm. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the
0: top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural, and Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a Paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just
1: right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and Paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic.
0: The latest version of Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comics Catch Up. This is the monthly show where I, Matt Wilson, and Chris Sims, who is here with me. Hello. We catch up, as the title indicates, on the comics that we didn't read when they were coming out. Because we're busy people. We can't read everything.
1: We got all these bad comics to read. And and yeah, we got to read
0: stuff on the show for entertainment purposes. So we read Three Jokers and shit.
1: <laughs> well, oh man, you just went right for it, Matt. That's usually what I do. <laughs> That's, play, playing the part of Chris Sims will be Matt Wilson this evening. Yeah, I guess so.
0: But you know, sometimes... We don't get to everything. And so based on your suggestions, based on your votes in a monthly poll we put up on our Twitter, which is at War Rocket Pod. If you would like to vote in the poll, that is how you can do it, by following our Twitter account. And being there at the Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up, it's the first of the month. That's when you can vote on what we read on these monthly shows. And this month, we were advised to read... Gwenpool Strikes Back, the 2019 five-issue miniseries that continues the story of Gwendolyn Poole, who
1: is not a Deadpool and not a Gwen Stacy. No, she's a Gwendolyn Poole. She is a, she is a, uh, a person from the real world who is now in the Marvel Comics universe and is aware that it is a comic book universe. That's the high concept.
0: That, that is her. As a character, she she has an awareness that she is a comic book character, which I guess makes her somewhat similar to Deadpool in some ways. And this series explores that a bit. It has certainly given her similar word balloons and similar dialogue text. But uh, this is a follow up to the unbelievable Gwynpool series, which was broken up into two parts, but. Which was not by the same creative team. The creative team on this mini series is Leah Williams and David. Uh, it's either Baldeon or Baldion. I'm not sure which it is. But that is not the creative team that did the Unbelievable Gwynpool series. That uh, creative team was uh, Christopher Hastings, a longtime favorite of ours mm-hmm. here at War Rocket Ajax, and Guru Hiru. On art. And Chris, I know you and I, but especially you, were a huge, huge fan of that Gwenpool
1: series. Yeah, I... Of the two of us, I'm the one who said it is one of the best comics of the 21st century. And I don't think you're wrong. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm not quite as high on it as you, but it is very good. I really like that series. And so, I'm just going to say it. And maybe this is why people... Voted for us to read this. This book had a little bit of an uphill battle with me.
1: Yeah, and I think that is. <sighs> if, if, if Matt, do we do we just want to get into it? Well, we could talk about
0: what the series is a bit. Okay. Um, the the basic high concept here. There's already the high concept of Gwen Poole as a character, mm-hmm. and, and then the high concept of this series specifically is that she is aware that this is a five-issue miniseries. She is aware that she has five issues in which to secure her place in the Marvel Universe that, so she can continue as a character. Right. she won't be sent back to
1: our world where she originally is from. Yeah. Which she can't why, go back to because of Doctor Strange, because so she will just yes. cease to exist.
0: Yes, Doctor Strange did did some magic to make her fit in the six one six in the Marvel universe, and so she can't actually return to our Earth. But but that is the threat of the book is that she, she will attempt forces will attempt to send her back to her own universe. If she does not prove her value as a character, that is why the last issue of this miniseries has a photo cover, uh huh, with what seems to be a Gwenpool cosplayer on the cover, which uh, I do appreciate. I I like the the co- concept of that being the cover to the last issue.
1: I I actually think that's a really smart cover gimmick because the covers are mentioned. Quite a bit within the story, so using those as a storytelling tool, but not just using like the the Watchman trick of having it be the first panel, is a pretty solid idea and one of the really like nice unique things that this book does.
0: Yeah, and the, all the other covers except that photo cover are by uh, the Dodsons, uh, drawn by uh, Terry I, and colored. Inked you colored by Rachel. Uh, colored by Rachel, I believe. Uh, pencils and inks okay. by Terry. Uh, colors and inks by Rachel. Okay. So Gwen name checks the Dodsons <laughs> a couple of times in here, which is another you know pretty pretty decent gag. The reason I say this this book had a bit of an uphill climb with me. I haven't read a ton of other stuff by Leah Williams. Chris, have you? Uh, I haven't. There, there may be very very good stuff by Leah Williams, uh, that I'm not familiar with. I know, perhaps, unfortunately, I have no familiarity with the series. I didn't read any of it, so I can't say. Uh, I know her X-Factor run was not well-received by a particular set of fans. Uh, I I cannot comment on that, but I, I know that that did happen. The thing that... Two things in the first issue indicated to me though chris that there was an uphill battle here okay first of all we get a big info dump right at the start yes like a lot of explaining what windpool's deal
1: is which is okay it's a problem because there needs to be a big info dump at the start because this is a sequel to a series that was canceled Due to declining sales, that means that you need to explain things because you could you have a number of people who maybe not didn 't read that book uh, and they are my enemies each and every one of them but also it is it, you have to explain a lot because of those exact circumstances which are unavoidable because this book is designed to be a sequel to a book that was canceled. The fact that the previous book was canceled is a plot point in this book.
0: Yes, and there is even, to skip ahead a bit, a page written by Christopher Hastings, who sort of appears as like a god figure. I was thinking of Mufasa. He he does appear in a cloud. Like, his face appears in a cloud, much like Mufasa. You, You may be onto something there. Uh, it, it does have a Mufasa feel, but, but he appears as like a Mufilsa. Thank you. He appears to sort of like bestow one, bestow bestow his blessing on this mini series and uh, sort of give some final thoughts about Gwynpool, even kind of pull the curtain back on the creation of the previous series, which is interesting for sure. Uh, an interesting thing to do. But yeah, the info dump, it's necessary, right? Because you don't know how many people are going to be buying this book who just bought it because it was number one, right? Yeah.
1: Ideally, you want this book to have more readers than the previous version. I, I, I think that's the plan, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's why you do a new number one. <laughs> like, I mean, in this case, it's to, like, Again, a lot of reasons. But the idea if all goes according to plan, twice as many people will read this as read Unbelievable Gwen Pool number 25. Right. But it also feels regressive.
0: I, there are quite a few things, I think, in here that feel like they're resetting Gwen back to a place that she got past
1: in Unbelievable Gwynpool. That is my problem with it. And I will say, I liked this book a lot. I mean, the editing? Terrible. Everything else, great. <laughs> <laughs> Just so nobody gets the wrong idea, editor Jordan D. White and I did 200 episodes of a Sailor Moon podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an inside joke about uh, a friend. Yeah. but, but I,
0: like, Not to say that Unbelievable Gwynpool didn't have this, because it did. But Boy, there's a lot of putting a hat on a hat in here. <laughs> what a, what an interesting phrase, Matt. I don't believe I've ever heard that before, and I love it. You've never heard putting a hat on a hat?
1: No, that's a that's an old comedy writing term. Uh, well, it's the Matt, idea. Of... You know that I never made it to vaudeville like you did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the idea of putting a hat on a hat, if if since I'm using insider lingo here, I guess is. Ruining a joke by putting another joke on top of it. Mm-hmm. You've already got a good joke. Don't put another thing on top of it to cover it up and ruin it. That's that's the thought. That's putting a hat on a
1: hat. Right. And so Which it, is interesting because if you put like six hats on top, there's nothing Matt and I like more. Oh. It, p- putting on
0: six hats, instantly funny. Yes. But the, the idea here, what I'm, what I'm getting to here with Gwynpool is we've already got her doing narration to us. She's already speaking to us directly as an audience. And then she's also doing a YouTube video. And then she's also like just talking to us kind of like in a blank void.
1: The first issue of this book made me feel old, Chris. <laughs> the first few pages, I think, are the, honestly, kind of the roughest part of the series. I agree. And that's a... That's a bad place to have the roughest part of your series.
0: Yeah, because not only is there that, is there like, we're trying to make this info dump fun and interesting, but instead we're making it just like too busy. There's also this trying to put a layer of edginess onto Gwenpool, which is the thing that the previous series got her past. Like, she doesn't have to be Deadpool edgy. That's not really part of Gwenpool. But this book starts with her thinking about squeezing a pregnant lady like a toothpaste tube.
1: Yeah, but I don't, Okay, I don't think she's doing that to be edgy. <laughs> I think that, like, that bit, I think, is is just... I have weird, intrusive thoughts. But maybe it is, but it strikes me as... Okay, it doesn't maybe
0: strike me as... Gwenpool being edgy, but it's like an attempt at an edgy joke. It's like this far away from the "quote unquote" dead baby
1: joke. Yeah, I don't think it is intended to be that. I can like it is unfortunately adjacent to that. I think just the intent is like, yeah, you know, you just want to want squeeze, <laughs> like you know.
0: But but like if if okay if the analogy is like a toothpaste tube. Yeah, something comes out of a toothpaste too. Exactly. So, so maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm an old man who's like, oh, that's inappropriate. But I'm like, that's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't strike me as charming. Like I think maybe it's intended to be. Yeah. It struck me as it created a mental image. That I did not want to have.
1: The mental image that you got from that was too realistic. Yeah, to be funny. I yeah. I get it. I get I get where you're coming from with that. I will say, I felt that same way about it until I kind of got in the groove of reading the book.
0: Well, and and it gets there. It does eventually get there. Yeah, I think it takes until maybe like
1: the third issue. Yeah it it takes it takes three of a five issue series to really hit its stride, I think. And again, I, I feel like I feel like the book had an uphill battle with us. I feel like the creators had an uphill battle with creating it, honestly. Like I think I do not envy Leah Williams for the task of writing this book, which I think she ends up being pretty solid at. Like what, what I was moving I, to earlier. I think once it hits a rhythm,
0: it's good. Yeah but it t- it takes a while to get there, and I think i I, I understand the feeling of pressure of like there's this v- the people who read this last series, it's beloved by them, and it has a reputation among a very small group of fans who really love it, but it's a very small group of fans. So we must expand beyond that group of fans to people who might like to see. A guest appearance by Spider-Man in the first issue. Just like Dark Hawk. Just like Dark Darkhawk. A, a guest appearance by the Fantastic Four in the second issue. A guest appearance by Deadpool uh, in the first and second issue. Like, Deadpool's all through there. and And, and we're going to finally confront the, like, she's not Deadpool thing, right? <clears throat> by having Deadpool be here and sort of give him – or give her his blessing, but also – confirm hey you're not deadpool you're yeah. something different from deadpool and and but we're also going to like put again put jokes on top of jokes and do gags that the 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 zoomers are going to like like there's like a meme
1: joke in the first issue buddy there's a lot of meme jokes there's a lot of the uh, a lot of a lot of jokes about online
0: there's a lot of jokes about online. There's there's one in particular. It's like a visual gag. It's, it's like Gwenpool with a doofy look on her face. And it's like a high school picture. Mm-hmm. And there's like a gag about it, which strikes me as like, we're doing a meme. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff, without trying to be insulting about it, it feels like it's trying a little hard,
1: okay, Matt, can I take you on a journey? Please do come with me. Oh, I would love to. I think what we get at the start of this, and I think reading it all like if you're gonna read this, read it all in one clip. read the For whole sure. like sit down, read the whole thing, and and get through the first issue. <laughs> I think what we're getting is that this the book feels like it's trying really hard in the first couple issues. And here's what I'm going to propose to you. I think that's on purpose. Because Gwen, okay. in the book, is trying really hard. And I think the book gets really good and really interesting when she starts kind of cracking under the pressure of, if if people don't love this comic, I will vanish. I will cease to be. And so it's it's her fighting against dying. Like, like the the only death that a fictional character can have which is being forgotten by like by throwing everything she can at you. Like here's the edgy joke, here's the meme. Do you like this? Do you like this? And I think like a lot of it is is genuinely like good and funny. Uh but I think if if we are going to give the absolute benefit of the doubt to the creators. And I think it's worth doing so because again, when this book hits its stride or when it you know i you know what when it hits its stride issues 3 and 4 particularly like it's pretty solid and i am willing to fully believe that the kind of assaultive nature like the the rapid fire uh machine gun of jokes uh machine gun of hats in oh. that first uh issue especially i think that's on purpose i think it's it's gwen it's gwen the character being like hey this is this is what gwen's like this is what gwenpool's like you guys like this right this is what this is what y'all think i'm i'm like right like ah, oh, it's wacky wacky over the top deadpool stuff hey spidey give me give me superpowers <laughs> like it's that desperation of the character that is a like it is not contradictory to the literal text of this book to say that the character is desperate to be liked I like that reading.
0: Yeah. I think that is uh, uh, maybe the best possible reading of the first issue of this comic. I have my doubts as to how totally intentional it is. I I think it may be half intentional and half just like the creators showing some flop sweat of like, please read this. You know, (laughs) it's like it's Gwen saying, please like me. Because I want to stay around. But also the creator's saying, P- please buy this book. Yeah. The, the problem
1: is, even if it is completely intentional, it's always going... like You're writing a character who is self-aware and is aware that she has been cancelled before. Her desperation, because it breaks the fourth wall, is always going to seem like your desperation. Which, again, I think is a kind of brilliant high concept. I do not envy anyone for... Uh, attempting to pull that off. I think that's a really tough co- concept to pull off. That said, like we discussed,
0: like the second issue is fine. It's Gwen. It's a, it's another Gwen trying to do an edgy thing thing where she's trying to like, she's trying to create a shocking moment for the cover. She Yes. Cause she, she wants to kiss, uh, Reed Richards or Sue Storm, and and look like she's breaking up a marriage. So, you know, that's fine. But the third issue, one, sets off the actual plot of the series, mm-hmm. as it is, and has way better visual gags. Yes. Like, the first gag in the book is Gwen tearing through her own speech bubble. Yeah. Excellent. Love it. Then it does a duck amuck. Where we see the artist, but the joke is on the artist rather than the characters yeah. he's drawing, uh, which is funny. And goodness
1: knows we love a duck and muck. Goodness knows, duck and muck, my favorite Looney Tune. The the best Looney Tune, kind of indisputably. Yeah, what 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 gives that a run for its money? It's there's there's two that could possibly claim it, Matt.
0: Well, I remember. Cartoon Network, I think, did like a big countdown of the best Looney Tunes shorts of all time. And I do believe Duck and Buck was number one, so they were right. But the number two was probably what I would put as number two, which is What's Opera Doc? What's
1: Opera Doc? Easy, easy number two. Number three, Robin Hood Daffy. Robin Hood Daffy, also good. Yeah. Yeah. Yoikes in a way. I have a different problem with this comic. Okay. This comic is again by its nature like it has to be the sequel to a comic that got canceled. Yeah. This comic can only be a sequel because Gwen has to be aware that she's been canceled. She has to be aware that she is on shaky ground. She's a she's a cult favorite, not a favorite. Right, cuz in the first issue she doesn't even know
0: that it's a mini series. Yeah. She thinks it might be a one shot right, and somehow somewhere she becomes aware that it's a five issue uh, she
1: she jumps into the into the gutters between the pages and she realizes that there aren 't as many as she thought there would be, <laughs> so it can't be a one shot yeah right she she so she's like oh no there this is a limited series uh, the problem is I feel like this because it's Gwen grappling with that and the threat of of cancellation and being forgotten. That is literally what the last 10 issues of Unbelievable Gwenpool are about. And those books are, like, again, some of my absolute favorite comics of the past 21 years. I think this book retreads a lot of that ground. If that comic didn't exist, I think I would love this book. But this book can't exist without that comic. On the other hand, this kind of has to do that, right yeah, like it 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 has to because that is the existential threat that Gwen is facing, and there is a difference in that she is you know she's had her solo book canceled and she's been in a couple of team books, so she's had the Marvel comics uh third tier character experience, right yeah. but I think it gets it skews too close. To ground that has been covered in a way that I genuinely don't think it could be covered better. I think that's true. It's that's it's sad. almost like doing Matt. Wouldn't it be like wild if somebody, I don't know, like what thirty years later, maybe like tried to do like a sequel to Watchmen, <laughs> but they put like Superman in it or whatever. I can't imagine
0: I can't imagine it. And like
1: Mary imagine. Marvel. Saw Doctor Manhattan's dick, like some wildlife, and the, then, like at the end of it, the Legion came back, and that was the whole, the whole thing. It's like doing that; like you're in you're you're covering a ground that you're probably not going to do better. And the biggest problem with this book, which I cannot stress enough, I do think is good, is that it's not excellent. And the book that it it is going to inevitably be compared to by most of the people who are going to read it all the way through is a book that is excellent. Fair,
0: all fair. I, your idea about a sequel to Watchmen is absolutely bananas, though. Yeah, I don't even like. Everybody would just recognize it for the obvious cash grab it is, and yeah. not you know not get into it. But it probably had pretty good art. They'd probably get a good artist. But for that you. would be really unfortunate. Well, you'd be like, man, imagine this artist doing something doing literally good. anything else with this time. But all all your points are well founded. However, I do think once we get past the the here's how Gwenpool is different from Deadpool flowchart, which is a visual gag that I like. It's fun. And and Gwen going through her own sales data. We do get to what I think is ultimately the smartest conceit of this book and which feels like the overarching plot of the whole book, because it does go through the final three issues, this idea of Gwen starting a fighting tournament on an island between all the Marvel characters that she has also set up for herself to win so that she can be that character. Mm -hmm. So she could be like, the contest of champions winner uh, in of her own making, which is very smart. And she brings in Hulk as a ringer to take everybody else out. But due to her own bad judgment, Hulk becomes her opponent. So then, the, the other smart thing that I think the book does, to take on Hulk, she brings in Every other version of herself from every other book that she's ever been in,
1: yeah, which are treated as kind of distinct versions yes uh they are they're slightly reductive in that like uh unbelievable Gwenpool Gwen is like you know almost like a teen Titans go character that said it, it, if if you read that sequence and you don't think that uh Leah Williams and David Baldion read every other appearance of Gwenpool and like them then then I don't know what to tell you they obviously know what they're doing you you know you have to to boil things down a little bit for a uh... well and 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 they
0: have to be distinct right yeah not only do they have to have distinct personalities so they all all their personalities have to be turned A dial has to be turned they have to be at one end of the no middle sliders
1: yeah it's when windows. when Dwayne Johnson became The Rock, who was just Dwayne Johnson with the volume turned all the turned way up. up. To 11. But, uh, I, I will say, I did get the distinct feeling that maybe Leah Williams did not enjoy Gwen's appearance in uh, Rocket and Groot. Well,
0: I think there was just this idea that the Rocket and Groot Gwen is
1: particularly unhinged. And is uh, maybe more her, Deadpool-ish. She calls her Harley Gwen, which I think is very funny. Very funny. A That's good, a good game. Honestly, a lot of good DC comics jokes in this. Yes, agreed. Also,
0: I I like the idea that like all these different writers' interpretations of Gwen are distinct, again, distinct characters. Like the superior Spider-Man Gwen is like the calm, thoughtful one, right? And West Coast Avengers Gwen is kind of like the hot girlfriend. <laughs> the perhaps unbelievable Gwenpool G- Gwen is a little reductive, but I think it fits. Yeah, it it certainly works. And, and and extra shout out to David Baldion for making each of those Gwens not only visually distinct, but kind of nailing the art styles of each of them. Yeah. From the books that they come from.
1: Really really
0: solid job with that. It's it's extremely good, and and when things get like kind of abstract and weird, uh, from that point on, like when she goes to Malekith asleep and takes Thor's arm away from him, uh, the art in that stuff is top shelf. Like the visual representation of all of that is super good. Like I love the visual representation of Gwen's going between the panels power in unbelievable Gwenpool but I think this book does a really good job of it too like at the start of issue 5 she basically does a Nancy gag mm-hmm. where she it's it's a recursive loop of panels uh where she attacks uh Tony Stark with bees uh, very funny. Maybe my favorite gag in the whole book, because uh, it's a an hundred percent Nancy gag. She attacks the Punisher with bees. Is it the Punisher? The Punisher. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, I, sorry, Tony, that I got that wrong.
1: Well, yeah. I only mention it because there's a like one of my favorite gags in the book is, uh, at the end of that sequence, Gwen doing the it's bears face, but with it's bees, yes, which is mwah, a top shelf joke.
0: Very good joke. Also, uh, what she does to Tony Stark and Steve Rogers is the she makes them wear the same shirt. Yeah, the, the get-along shirt. The get-along shirt. Like again, by issue five, not only is the book much funnier, but it also, like, I feel, is nailing the character much better because I love the idea of the multiple Gwens. I love this exploration of her friendship with Kamala Khan like that's where it's exploring kind of different ground from the previous series right
1: yeah because what happens with uh Kamala is Kamala comes up with a new origin for her that that is that she's not from the real world but that uh she's a a mutant who's uh who controls reality and so her like, a childhood trauma caused her to uh, dissociate and think she was from a different universe, which is – that's such a good threat for Gwen, for Gwen to have, like, not just – she's either going to not exist, she's either facing oblivion, or she is facing having your rea- your backstory rewritten to be more tragic – and to and, and separate you from what defines you as a character. It's also
0: sort of gaslighting, right? It's like, oh, you're not really from another universe. You just think you are. Yeah,
1: Because because part of the gag is nobody in Marvel Comics other than Deadpool believes Gwen that she is from a world where they're all in comic books. Right, because they don't want to be characters from comic books. They want right. to be
0: who real. Would? Who would? Who, yeah, who would? But... I'm of two minds about that rewriting of Gwynpool to make her a mutant, because after Kamala comes up with that explanation, she goes to Krakoa, and that's where we leave her. Series ends with her on Krakoa.
1: Series ends with her doing a Looney Tunes gag. You thought that was just a tangent.
0: No, yes, there is a Looney Tunes ending. Boom. Boom. Gotcha. Gotcha, listener. Ooh. If you didn't read this book, what a shock. But she is on Krakoa, and so it leaves her sort of in this limbo where it's like, maybe she's a mutant who thinks she's from another universe, or maybe she really is from our universe. And I think what that is, instead of kind of being a satisfying ending to a story, which, by the way, I do like that we get uh, the current... X-Men, Jonathan Hickman informational page. Very fun. Mm -hmm. About Gwenpool? That's very fun. But I do think... So, on the one hand, I think this is the way to do do stories with Gwen. If we're going to get around your complaint, Chris, that everything about Gwen that we try to do from now on is going to be a retread of unbelievable Gwenpool, this is the way for her to not be that anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? On the other hand, I think it takes away one of the biggest selling points of Gwen as a character.
1: Yeah, I think it is an interesting ending that is that is left somewhat ambiguous as to whether everyone else is now going to treat Gwen as though, like, oh yeah, she's a she's a, a, a what's what's his uh, Proteus? Yeah, she's a Proteus. <laughs> You know, Proteus, she's that. While she is going to be still internally, like, knowing slash thinking that she is the Gwenpool that we know. Because we get, like, a a thing at the end of the story where uh, Gwen addresses the reader and says, yeah, this is the end of Gwenpool as you know her. Yeah, Uh, Which I think is, it's a really ambiguous ending because it, like, we know, well, well, we know the truth which is that Gwen is a car- a person from our world who went to the Marvel Universe. But then we also know the truth, which is that that's also fictional. Like, like she is a comic book character created to be a comic book character. Yeah, I mean, what it seems like is an opening for whatever writer writes Gwenpool next. Yeah.
0: To do either one. And also to- a little
1: extra insurance, because, you know, mut- mutants stick around. The-, the gold balls came back.
0: Yes, but... They're part of a huge – excuse my use of the term – pool of characters that can kind of get lost. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, if she just has reality-altering powers, if she's just a mutant with
1: reality-altering powers, she's not special anymore. She's a Proteus. Yeah, which I think that sets up an interesting new existential threat for her.
0: Yes, but it also, I think, it de- it de- it really depends on what happens. It really depends on who takes over the character next, and who and what they do with her, because it could very easily just be she gets lost in the shuffle of all these other mutants. Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't know. I would be interested to know what and if there was like a mandate for this book. Because I, in my experience, and and you know, I I worked with Jordan in particular, uh, who was the editor. I worked with Annalise, who was the assistant editor of this book. They're pretty hands off in terms of like what, uh, or they were with uh, Chad Bowers and I. They were pretty hands off with what we wanted to do, but they did say, "Hey, here's the thing you're going to have to wrap up." In our case, it was like the uh, the Raptors stuff. Uh, that that uh, Jerry Duggan had been doing in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I was like, "Hey, this is going to be a part of this book, but however you want to wrap it up is fine." So I'm curious to know if this was, "Hey, make like make Gwen a mutant," or if this was if if there was any direction like any mandate on it, and this was 100% Leo Williams and David Baldion. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is a direction for the character because ultimately, what. I I love how sinister the retconning of Gwen's origin is presented, and I love how accidentally sinister Kamala is about it. Like, Kamala's like, oh right, this makes total sense. Like, like, you're not from another universe, you're from here! Like, you're one of us! Uh, And, like... Gwen's reaction to that and her kind of struggling against it before hitting this middle ground of externally accepting it and internally defying it. That's all, like, really good stuff. But it also, like you said, it puts her in a large pool of characters that get lost, but it also gives her a place she belongs.
0: Yes, and I think that is probably the edit- what the editorial edict was. Yeah, It was, make Gwen fit. And because... I think if Marvel did any market research or if they just kind of like looked into what people think about Gwenpool, I think their takeaway would have been people don't understand her. People don't get her deal. It's too meta. It's too convers... You know, it's too... It's not... It doesn't fit in the Marvel universe. So let's work on a way to make her fit. And then maybe... George, the editors working with Lee Williams and David Baldion, they came up with this together. But I'm willing to bet that the the sort of intent from the start of this was make her fit.
1: Yeah, this is at, at this point though we're we're getting into speculation.
0: Yeah, let's let's just get into ranking
1: the book. Some really solid gags. Obviously, a lot of love put into this. Like it is For there sure. is. We can speculate on editorial motivations and creator motivations. I do not think it would be inaccurate or uh or much of a speculation to say clearly Leah Williams loves Gwenpool uh and wants to wants to do right by the character, and David Baldeon probably as well. Well, if, by virtue of the fact that
0: somebody had the idea of getting Chris Hastings to come on for one page. Yeah to sort of say his piece. I think is is evidence of we're not trying to do away with what you love about this character. Yeah. And and we're not trying to wash away or erase what came before. Yeah. Which I do
1: think helps kind of engender a lot of goodwill. There's a bit on like the penultimate page of the book. Where, uh, Gw- like Gwen says to the reader, uh, like literally says, "I love you." And first of all, that's weird for like a piece of media to end with its creators saying, "I love you." Who would do that? you be hearing from our lawyers, <laughs> Gwen. But I think that's less about Gwen saying to the reader, "I love you." I think that's Leah Williams saying to Gwen, "I love you." Uh, possibly, yeah. It's like the end of Hamilton. Wait, what happens at the end of Hamilton? Don't spoil it. Uh, Okay, then I won't say. I really want to know what what all he did uh, after (laughs) after the whiskey rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he lived a long and happy life. I'm sure. Yeah.
0: Uh, No, it's you know the the uh, Eliza is shown the audience. Yeah, the audience in the theater. Uh, and that's why she reacts the way she does. Or that's a theory I've seen online, and I like it.
1: No, that makes. Uh, I I did. I watched. Uh, I watched Hamilton when they put it on. Um, on Disney Plus. Yeah. And yet, yeah, like, yeah, I that's that would be my interpretation of it as well.
0: Yeah, and so I, I think that might be the writer speaking through Gwenpool as oh. well.
1: Hey, another thing that we didn't talk about, but that I did really appreciate, was just like. The the kind of casual and uh, in story referenced to Gwen being bisexual. Uh, I don't know if that was. I don't think that was in Unbelievable Gwenpool. I don't know if it happened in like West Coast Avengers, which is another book that we uh, uh, fell off of for no fault of its own, uh, or if that is like new to this story. But I did. I did appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's weird that it is presented as here's another way. She's like Deadpool because that's exactly what it's presented as. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is cool on its own. Uh that you know that's another part of this character. Um you know, it's it's good. Yeah. Let me look on the list for other well, where we have the other Gwynpool stuff. I don't think it's going to be in that neighborhood, but uh but here we go. Uh number 114 is the unbelievable Gwenpool volume four beyond the fourth wall? That's good. That's good. That's good comics. That's the one. And at number one fifty eight, one fifty eight is Gwenpool lost in the plot. Also Those are the only two Gwenpool books we currently have on the list.
1: Yeah, here's here's the what, what I was saying before about like good versus excellent. That's always gonna sound like damning with faint praise. The book's good. Yeah, but like it's, it's better than all right. Yeah.
0: We have But it's not one of the best comics of the twenty first
1: century. Yeah. It we have twelve hundred and forty six comics on this list. It's not in the top eight percent. You know? No. no. <laughs> like but it's good. It's a good book. I'm thinking Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, it is, I would say, like, 7.5, 8. That's respectable, unfortunately. Very very good. Yeah. The uh, unbelievable gun pool numbers 16 through 20 are, like, a 12. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) All right. So let's find the neighborhood for this. Uh, Okay. I stopped scrolling and immediately hit something that was uh, comparable. I think this is better than. Okay. and that is what we have at number six hundred six: the uh, Power Girl, Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray, Amanda Connor series, which tonally I think is very similar to this. Okay, well, I'll tell you what: it's not better than okay, We Three, which is right above it. Oh no! Like you don't. Okay, so you don't think this is better than We Three? No, you, Matt, you want to talk about a book that tries hard? <laughs> okay, but it succeeds.
0: That's the thing about We Three. Yes, it tries hard, and yes, it's like, look at what they did to the puppy. But it, it gets me. It got me. I mean,
1: also the art in We Three is like unparalleled. I mean, it is extremely good. <laughs> it's it's just that that book's so good, and I hate that it's so good. It's it's manipulation. The comic. Yeah, the book should be called manipulation.
0: But it does it very well. Yeah. It does exactly what it intends to do very well. It is a masterful comic, to be quite honest. It's maybe too low too low on this list,
1: but I understand why it's where it's where it is. I have such resentment for that book for being good. <laughs> uh here's here's right under Power Girl is Night and Squire, which is another book that I think is very totally similar. So I think I might have accidentally hit the perfect place for it. I yeah, think I think go above I that Power Girl series and if you want to put it below Wii 3. Yeah, let's do that. Because here's what's so, above Wii 3. Uh favorite and the Grey Mouser, that's that's Mike Mignola. Uh Superman Birthright, that's pretty good. Dirty Cops, a comic we cannot in good conscience recommend, but that is pretty good. That is pretty good. Uh yeah, it's I think that's a good place for it. Don't let its like dead center position on the list fool you. It's top heavy list. If you liked Unbelievable Gwynpool, you will likely enjoy this comic.
0: Yes, however, I'm not sure that you're the intended audience for this comic. Or at the very least, you're not the only intended audience yeah. for this comic.
1: It's clearly meant to reach a larger audience, which means it's it's got to reach people who weren't familiar with it. But I think it is crafted with enough love of what came before. Because if... The book has a super strong point. It is that I, I the the love it shows to the character really comes through. I think that's I think that's appealing for, for me as a as a big fan of Gwynpool as a character and as of the previous series, that is appealing to me,
0: no doubt. So,
1: Gwynpool Strikes
0: Back is on the list now at number six hundred six, and like you six one six. That'd be perfect, though. Oh yeah, well, too bad. It's it's a little above
1: dead center halfway,
0: but pretty close to dead center of the list. So
1: right now at number six one six is Punisher Acts of Vengeance, which is where um the Punisher fights Doctor Doom. Which is about as Marvel Universe as it gets. <laughs> so That's pretty perfect, honestly. Maybe we should stop.
0: That's it. We can only rank comics that are worse than that. Uh, no, we're we're never going to stop. We're going to do this forever. And we'll be back next month in August with another comic that we caught up on.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening everybody. And and uh to whoever suggested this, thanks for the recommendation. I did enjoy it. Yeah, I did too. Uh
0: despite my my worries when I started reading it, uh they did melt away by the end. And uh if you would like to suggest something for us to read on comics catch up. You can do that on Twitter by hitting us up at war rocket pod on Twitter. You can do it on Tumblr as, which is war rocket Or you can email us at war rocket podcast at gmail.com. Uh, those are all the different ways to find us. These specials every month are made possible by your support on Patreon. Patreon.com slash war rocket Ajax is the place you can go to uh, kick in as little as a dollar a month to help us out. If you want to find me online, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to all my stuff, my comics that I've written, the books that I've written, and uh, my social media. So all that stuff is at
1: mattdwilson.net. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to thc-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to everything that I do, including other podcasts and things that I've written. Uh, if you do go there, please enjoy those things. Please enjoy those things, everybody, and
0: come back next month for more catching up. Yeah. Till next time,
1: good catching up.